This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Sis, people, uh, today, for your hearing pleasure, I have caught a real life one. My name is Alex, I use they them pronouns, and this is Stride with Pride. Hello and welcome back to Stride with Pride. I hope you've had a fantastic however long it's been since you listened to the last episode. On this week's episode, I thought it would be interesting, since we've talked a lot about what it means to be gender outside the binary, to talk a bit about that binary and how society influences that. So I saw a video by a YouTuber I watch. Her name is Hannah Witten. Highly recommend her. Check her out. And she's sis. Uh, and she did do a video about answering questions from a Twitter thread that asks cis people to question sort of the intricacies of their gender and what makes them that, what they enjoy about that, a bunch of different things. So I thought it would be interesting to have have a real life cis person answer those questions on the show today. And the Twitter thread is by Heather Flowers on Twitter. So H-T-H-R-F-L-W-R-S on Twitter. And the very special guest I have for today is my mum. <laughs> so why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Alex's mum. <laughs> my name is Dawn. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm a cisgender woman. Cool. Okay, so why don't we start off with the first question. So what do I enjoy about being my gender? Yeah, so uh, when when I first read this question, I, I started thinking about a few things, and as I thought about them a bit more, I was, I was thinking, actually, you know, the reason that these are about my gender as opposed to everybody is because of the way society views gender. So so the things that I like about my gender are not available to people of the male gender because of the way society thinks males should be. So that's that was the first thing that kind of came up for me when I was thinking about the things. So first thing I came up with was kind of the variety of clothes I get to wear. Mm. It seems real trivial, but, you know, as a woman, I can grunge it up in sweatpants and, and a sweatshirt, or I can wear a pretty dress, or I can wear jeans and a T-shirt. And most of the time, people don't like think twice about that there's heaps more choice of color and pattern and yeah all sorts that's allowable I guess for women than than there is for men and I don't know like what what that's like for people (laughs) that are non-binary yeah well I mean it's really interesting for clothing because there is sort of the pressure of having to dress androgynous or whatever that is for that but especially for AFAB, non-binary people, it's like you do have the opportunity to express more, but like you were saying, for AMAB people, it's sort of still societally shunned for like AMAB people to wear a pretty dress or whatever, like if they want to, no matter their gender. So there's still the societal pressure of that as well. Yeah, and there's definitely, you know, like I get the Easy Buy catalogs all the time. They come and they have 40 pages of women's clothing and two pages of men's clothing. Mm, And the men's clothing is like variations on button-down shirts, polo shirts, shorts and chinos or jeans, right? That's all there is. (laughs) Whereas for women, there's dresses, there's pants, there's leggings, there's track pants, there's the whole whole thing. The whole shebang. The whole shebang. So, yeah. 
So that's one of the things I like. The other thing that I like is kind of more on the, I suppose, the emotional side. You know, it's more acceptable to express a range of emotions as a woman than for a man. It's okay to to like babies and children, which is kind of viewed a little bit as a little bit weird in men. And yeah, like I can, you know, stand outside the fence of the kindy where I do some work occasionally and and watch all the little kids playing and nobody thinks twice of that. Mm. Whereas for a man doing that, it might have (laughs) been a little more problematic, um, even if he had no bad intentions towards Mm. the children. So yeah, so it's kind of freeing in that way, I suppose. Yeah. Content warning for the next 25 seconds, there is brief discussion about sexual assault. So if you feel like that will hurt you in any way or make you uncomfortable, please do skip over it. 25 seconds. And I guess in my job, so I'm a, a psychologist and I work with survivors of sexual abuse as part of the work that I do. And being a woman is useful in, in that area because most of the survivors are women, most of those that seek help, and most of them have been abused by males. So mm. it's much harder for them would be much harder for them to yeah. open up to a male therapist. Yeah, I guess women sort of seen as, again, by society as more nurturing. And so I guess people don't maybe see male therapists in quite the same mm. way. For my answers for the question, I would probably mainly say the community because obviously <laughs> there's a lot of community that has founded around that and that's really useful as well as the freedom of expression it brings because I identify as just generally non-binary as a specific label for myself. It's very freeing in the way that I can express myself however I want to because it's just a term that means not binary. Like it's it's just not male or female. It doesn't specify like if it's a mixture, if it's nothing if it's somewhere in between and I it's really easy to hop around however you want to and also to not be able to think about it as much I mean we do have to think about it all the time because of society but you know being free to do what you want within that is quite useful and another thing I sort of mentioned it before but there's not really a set societal look or way to be in the same way that there are the same expectations that have been around for centuries for cis males and females there isn't quite the same amount of historical expectations put in place so there is a bit of freedom of movement there obviously there's a lot of other stuff that comes up (laughs) with it but I like that there is the semi-freedom from that so because it's a kind of quote unquote new thing, yeah. you know, in a, in a more, in a recognised way rather than a thing that's never existed in the past, yeah. do you feel like it's, that there's no rules, less rules? Yeah, well, yeah. There are still some self-imposed rules and then there's what society expects of us and then what has become and because of the ways that people have viewed it because of transphobia and all of that stuff. But there is definitely less centuries of historical oppression. So there is a bit more freedom in that way. Okay, so next question. Why do I identify with my gender? So this is real, really interesting to think about. Like if I'd been raised as a boy, would I be a boy or act like a boy? You know, I kind of think like my gender is a about my presentation mostly and obviously like the body I I inhabit but if I'd been raised as a boy would I be different so I guess socialization has a lot to do about it you know why I identify that yeah. I was brought up I was born with 
female anatomy. I was probably rewarded when I acted feminine mm. and punished when I acted masculine. <laughs> not in not in a, a really overt way, but yeah. in a kind of disapproval versus approval mm. or that kind of thing. And I think that's probably what happens to to a lot of people. But on the other hand, I thought about like, would, well, would I want to identify as male? And I didn't really think I would. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, socialization habit, <laughs> I guess. Body, my body shape fits that type. So it was an interesting question to think about. Not a very profound answer. Well, everything is is good for a conversation. For me, obviously, it's because of a lot of questioning and finding out what fits and doesn't fit. So for me, it was it mainly started with the pronouns and what I felt fit and didn't fit, as well as a lot of exploration with terms and stuff online. I think I've talked about the pronoun bracelets I've had before, and mainly just because I don't feel that I am either male or female isn't necessarily anything specific, but it sure ain't binary. So next question, what gendered expectations? do I put on myself? Yeah, so I kind of thought about this a lot in terms of our family mm-hmm. and the sort of things that I do versus the sort of things your dad does. And I can't decide whether they're gendered expectations or personality things or things that I'm just better at, even though it has, happens to be a stereotypically female thing, mm. right? So I do all most of the cooking. I definitely do all the planning of what we're going to eat. And if your dad's cooking, it's because I've told him that on this day he's cooking <laughs> this, right? But that's partly because, don't tell him I said this, but he's not that great a cook. <laughs> <laughs> and if he planned it, we'd probably have sausages and mashed potatoes and frozen vegetables like three nights a week. And I am not that keen on that. <laughs> so I cook more variety and take more more risks with my cooking <laughs> and like to eat nicer things, I suppose. So if he was better at cooking, I'd like totally let that go. Right? Yeah. And I wouldn't put that expectation on myself, even though it's a societal norm. And the other one that really kind of stuck in my mind is kind of sorting out like when you were younger and and still with your younger brother sorting out doctor's appointments and making sure that the money goes to school for the you know sausage sizzle Mm. and all that kind of thing and I kind of feel like I put the pressure on myself that I have to organize everyone's life in the Mm. family yeah but again I don't know if that's a gender thing or a I like to make sure that everything's mm. done. Yeah. I like to be in control, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> whereas your dad's a bit more laid back. Yeah, so it's hard to know whether that's a, a mm. gendered thing or not. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that. Like, obviously, I was socialised female, <laughs> so, like, I, I have the whole socialisation thing still impacting me. Like, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Like, I have, I mean, I obviously got it from you, the, the like, controlling things and the nurturingness, but, I again, it's, like, is that just who I am or is that just like socialization or would I be different if I was AMAB and socialized that way? Yeah, there's no <laughs> counterfactual to any of this, right? Yeah, so yeah. we don't know. Yeah, like I said before, or in terms of my gender, not what I was socialized as, yeah, I guess there's less expectations. So I don't know that I necessarily do put gendered expectations because there aren't necessarily expectations to put on myself because there isn't the whole centuries of historical stuff. But I guess in my mind, sometimes there is the remnants of you must look androgynous sort of thing, which I obviously don't actually believe, but it's 
like in the back of your mind still affecting you sometimes. And that can sometimes affect what I wear, but it doesn't really most of the time. I've noticed that that's kind of changed a little bit with time for you. Like mm. you've in the last kind of year or so, you've you've broadened out yeah. what you've what you wear, and it's become less of that androgynousness. Mm, yeah, no, I definitely like a lot of binary trans guys. I when I first started, I guess exploring or came out, I definitely felt the need to be more masculine to, I guess, counter mm. it and um, all that feminine yeah, stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like. I, I guess coming more into my own, it's it's more just like doing what I want, not what I feel like I need to for society. So the next question is, what gendered expectations do I put on others? Yeah, so it's definitely the boy's job to do the stuff to do with cars. <laughs> like the other day, the headlight went out in the car. Well, it wasn't my job to fix that. It was dad's job to fix that automatically. Like I could have still driven to the blooming car shop and found the right headlight. You know, I'm totally capable of doing that mm. but I just expect him to do that because it's a boy thing societally and, yeah societally yes I have to qualify all this with societally and the things that need noisy power tools so <laughs> mowing the lawn or chainsawing that's totally not my thing I totally expect that that's what he would do mm. Yeah, I was thinking like how many times have I mowed the lawn since (laughs) we've been together and it's probably like twice, literally, (laughs) literally twice. And so then that was really interesting because I was thinking that really you've never mowed the lawn. You you told me before you've done it once maybe, but I never, you know, before you came out as non-binary thought that that was a job that you absolutely should be doing. And I don't know if you'd been AMAB, uh, would I have that expectation or not? But then I kind of thought, well, I don't see it as my responsibility mm. doing the lawn. Yeah. And so if, if I want to get out of something, I'm going to make my kid do the things that I do, <laughs> not the things that the other partner does. Yes. But then I kind of thought about, well, the jobs that you actually did do around the house, did I make you do those because you're a, a, were a girl, you know, raised as a girl? And I think even if you'd been born as a boy, I probably would have still expected you to do those same jobs because mm. actually I expect you that your dad does those things too. Yeah. You know, like emptying the dishwasher, doing the dishes, hanging out the washing. He does all those things as much as I do. Mm. So I kind of don't see them as gendered necessarily. Mm. But definitely the power tool thing. That's, <laughs> yeah. Scary. Make a loud noise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And hard work, you know, yeah. physically. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to think about my answers for this before, and I, I guess I, I don't know, maybe I didn't think about it for long enough, but I, you know, I, I, I don't really, I, I mean, I try not to, you know, like it, it's something that I, you know, actively try not to do, but I guess sometimes it's the, I, I will go to my AFAB friends more for emotional support. It's not like I'm, you know, forcing them to, but like it's just what naturally happens, and like I have tended to have more AFAB friends and stuff because it's more understanding and stuff, but that also comes. Uh, I also tend to have more queer friends and more non-binary friends and that's also because of the understanding from that so yeah I, I don't know if that necessarily is relevant but you know I haven't really thought about it properly. Mm. It's kind of interesting though because you there obviously is and I think I'd be the same like for platonic supportive friendships I wouldn't be looking to males right to AMAB people I'd be looking to female people for that and is that an expectation that the AMAB people can't be as supportive as Mm. nurturing as I don't know and then that gets into sexuality as well but as as not interested in sex 
but interested in friendship. It's so weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But then yeah. there's also like that's so much on men. There's also then the like socialization nature because it's like for Amer people, it's like they're not socialized to be able to be emotionally vulnerable as well. And then so is it coming from oh, I know that these people are going to be more emotionally available, or is it like these people won't be emotionally available? So that's an expectation I have. Yeah, it kind of is, isn't it? It's, it's an expectation that they won't be like that. Whereas you know, obviously, I work with males who are therapists as well and I think they are probably but then they're they're probably kind of I think of them as the exception to the rule for Mm. AMAB people rather than the norm whereas you know it's kind of like 80 percent nurturing for AFAB people 20 percent not (laughs) and you kind of think of the reverse as being true for AMAB people percentage wise Mm. does that make sense I think so so (laughs) yeah it is an expectation, I think, and it is. And it, but, but is it because, yeah, like you said, because they've been socialised that way that we don't expect them to be, like, nurturing? So then the next question is, how do societal pressures affect my gender presentation? So societal pressures, I guess the one thing, the first thing I came up with is I shaved my armpits. So that's a thing that women are supposed to do. According to society. Western <laughs> women, according to society. Um, actually, not even Western women, right, because lots of European women don't do it. So I don't know. I couldn't think of any other <laughs> really profound example. Mm. In fact, more, I, I mean, I'm probably slightly more, not that I'm like hugely transgressive, but a little bit transgressive of some of those societal mm. pressures. Like you have short hair and like dyed hair as well. So it's, yeah. it's like, do, do you think that's because you, you don't feel pressures or anything because there's the freedom for AFAB people to look how they want? I think there's still pressures on AFAB people I think there's still some boundaries around that Mm. as to what's acceptable right yeah like I don't shave my legs but I still shave my armpits which is like a constant like cognitive dissonance for me Mm. it's like why Mm. why do I do this I don't know I stopped shaving my legs a really long time ago Mm. yeah when I was still at university so that's quite a long time ago now and even then it was like this takes so much time I just Mm. can't be bothered yeah and I weighed up the pluses and minuses you know of societal expectations versus the amount of time it was taking I thought oh god no my time's more important than this (laughs) there was one time when one little kid said to me oh you've got hairy legs like a boy (laughs) and I was too slow but I thought of course you always think of these comebacks afterwards I felt like I thought I should have said no I've got hairy legs like a girl <laughs> yes yeah, so the the armpit shaving I don't know that I still do that um, but there's lots of, yeah there's lots of other things that I that are kind of the norm for mm. AFAB people like wearing makeup that I haven't done for quite a while and my hair I have my hair short which is semi unusual I suppose not as unusual as not shaving your legs probably but, yeah. <laughs> and my hair went grey quite early and I kind of gave in to that is that the right word I like accepted that I suppose and just went whole hog st- stopped dyeing my hair probably 20 years ago so I don't know if that's like a transgressing societal expectations of gender or is it societal expectations of needing to look young so no, that was kind of a, is it an age yeah <laughs> an age thing which is much more put on to women than it is to men right yeah like men that are gray are you know silver foxes women are just like dowdy old ladies Mm. 
So maybe that is a gendered yeah. thing as well. Yeah, so some t- I guess some of my presentation is a deliberate stuff you to, to gender expectations, but there's probably some parts of my presentation that are still guided by mm. or, or within those norms. Yeah, I mean, for me, I sort of alluded to it before, it's like the idea that it's supposed to be androgynous. Like sometimes I am, like, like I said, I am like sort of experimenting with like more stereotypically feminine clothing and stuff, but I do still, there is still part of me that like, I don't know whether it's dysphoria or whether it's societal expectation that I have to have parts of me that are somewhat masculine looking if I'm wearing something feminine and I, I have to have my hair just cut short and in the style of like not when it's at its grown out point because then I just feel too feminine and it feels icky but it, it's also that sometimes when I wear feminine stuff it's like I know I'm going to get gendered incorrectly like I'm going to be called she but then I also know that when I'm dressing how I dress normally that I'm also going to be gendered incorrectly like as a non-binary person it's, it's by the general public I'm not going to be gendered correctly automatically ever unless I have a bright flashing sign that says they them and even then people will still choose to ignore that but I I guess that when I'm wearing what I normally wear it's like I get misgendered on my own terms and if I'm wearing feminine stuff I feel like I need to be in a group for like safety or whatever like because I feel more confident to do it if I'm in a group generally of my queer friends because I guess it's the safety of being transgressive in that way like there's other people around me who will share the pain when I inevitably get misgendered from that (laughs) and there's also I guess the it's not necessarily a pressure but it's like I want to look as queer as possible so that other queer and not cis people know I'm one of them and that I'm a safe person it's not necessarily a pressure but it's like a target to look as queer as possible and that's what I really like about having dyed hair because queer people will see me and they they think I look friend shaped okay next question is in what ways could I better feed my gender so what small things could I do to make my gender happy (laughs) I didn't really get what she meant by this Mm. what do you think they meant (laughs) well for me it was like I guess sometimes not cis people see their gender as something that you like it's it's obviously something you experiment with and you play with and it it would be more things that make you feel good in your gender make you feel affirmed and yeah things like that oh yeah okay so that's interesting yeah so I guess then I don't know I guess I probably have I'm affirmed in it all the time Mm. you know so I don't need to do anything extra does that make sense yeah 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 I mean you're Sis. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I present as the gender that I was assigned at birth, and everything's congruent for me. And I don't feel like I have to do anything to make myself feel more female. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that completely yeah. makes sense. Yeah, for me, I guess it's standing up for my pronouns, making space for myself, and taking up the space that I deserve to. I guess because you know, a lot of the time, it's just sort of grin and bear it. Like people misgender you, and you're like, cool. But then, like, actually standing up for myself and being able to say, look, no, you, you're not going to treat me this way. Like, I know this is what you think, but um, joke's on you, you're wrong, deal with it. And I, I guess it's like boundary setting, right? It's also like letting myself know that it's okay to do that, that I'm not like being precious. Yeah. Yeah, I can see how it's much harder work. There's much more work to do for someone that's not sus. Okay, and the last question, I sort of split it up into two for me, but I'll ask you at once. How do you visualise gender as a concept and what does your gender specifically look like? I didn't answer the last one. <laughs> and I thought about it, but how I visualise it as a concept, the genderbred person way of thinking of it, that gender identity and gender presentation are two different things. Mm. 
So what you identify as and how you present can be different. Like you can identify as female but present quite stereotypically masculine. Mm-hmm. Those are two different things. And then both of those have masculinity, stereotypical again, and femininity on two different yeah. scales. So like I was talking about before, I kind of think I present as somewhat feminine and somewhat masculine as well because I've got short hair, I don't wear makeup, I don't shave my legs, I don't wear high heels. But on the other hand, I wear dresses in summer, I like colourful things, floaty Mm. tops. And so if zero on those scales is no masculinity at all, definitely not zero Mm. on that one, but I'm probably higher up on the femininity one Mm. than the the masculine for the presentation. Whereas on the identity one, I probably am kind of 100%, I, I suppose, identify as a female mm. and not really at all as a male. Yeah, I sort of think about but also conceptualise it in a sort of different way. So for me and a lot of queer people, especially not cis people, it's more viewing and visualising gender through metaphors um, because defining it concretely doesn't necessarily feel like it fits. Like there might be a label that works but it doesn't fit the vibe of your... Like sometimes identity is just a vibe. So I guess I don't necessarily visualise all gender as like something because it can be so different for everyone but I have seen somewhere there's the metaphor of a colour wheel and then a colour dimmer so the colour wheel is like what it is so all the different colours and there's the scales of colours and like how they mix and all of that you know like a big colour wheel but then the colour dimmer is the intensity of the gender and and there can be multiple scales of that so oh on this colour wheel it's this specific hue at this intensity but also sometimes it's this one at a different intensity and can be like that but when I put them in as a separate one uh, is because I guess the metaphor I it's not even one that I use all the time but when I was thinking about it just before I was like yeah sure this fits the vibe so visualizing my gender in specific as a misty glade um, <laughs> so it's sort of like it, it can be hard to navigate and it's not entirely a clear full picture or anything hence the mist but it's cool like it still looks really cool nonetheless like despite not having the full picture of it it's still nice thing I <laughs> I don't really know how to explain it it just you know the vibe if you know you know my gender's a misty glade I like that colour wheel actually so when when you're talking about like the different hues that would be you'd have like maleness femaleness non-binaryness as different genders is that kind of what you're saying um whereas the gender bread thing kind of has non-binary sitting outside the, the male yeah. and female yeah because it's three separate sliders right yeah whereas the color wheel color wheel has more than just masculinity and yeah it's, so it's, it's 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 the whole spectrum thing but on a wider scale because the spectrum of gender isn't just a slider from male to female no, you know so no. like it's like allowing for all the complexities of gender and what that means to people like it is socially constructed so yeah, like yeah. you know technically there isn't a binary to begin with so everything is out of the binary um it's <laughs> everything is made up but like just there is such a wide complexity because theoretically there are enough experiences of gender for every single person like there's every person has a different experience of gender it's not the same no even um, for 
even for cis, cis people. people. Yeah. So the colour wheel allows for a lot of freedom, flexibility, movement mm. within that. And I really like adding that intensity onto it as well because it depends on the context, yeah. right? Like how intensely you feel your gender or you notice your gender. Mm. Or like if I'm just sitting in my office typing on my computer, I'm not really experiencing my gender very mm. intensely. Whereas if I'm getting catcalled as I'm walking down the street, then you're experiencing mm. your gender much more strongly. Well, thank you for coming in and having this conversation with me, Mum. I found it really interesting to talk about. Yeah, it's been real fun. It's really interesting to kind of sit down and think about some of these questions and really think about them in a bit more depth than I do, would normally. Yeah. For today's Creator Spotlight, I'm going to spotlight Hannah Witten. I mentioned her before. She is not queer herself, but she does a lot of videos around gender and sexuality. She's a sexuality educator as well, has a lot of wonderful videos to do with all of that good stuff and is a really wonderful ally for it. So I thought I'd just shout her out for this episode. But that is all for today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this conversation. Might be useful for those listening who are cis to think more about the things we take for granted. But I hope you have an amazing day, afternoon or evening whenever you're listening to this. And don't forget that you are an amazing, wonderful person. You are loved and don't forget to spread your joy. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more.